Thank you for listening to an audio resource from Stanwich Church located in Greenwich and Stamford, Connecticut. The vision of Stanwich Church is to know Christ and make Him known. The New Testament lesson for today is from Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. This can be found on page 1,187 of your pew Bible. Jesus is God's final and definitive revelation because he is the unique son of God, the agent of creation, the radiant glory of God, and the one who purifies from sin. His supremacy over all things includes all angels whose job it is to worship him. A reading from Hebrews chapter 1, beginning with the first verse. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. After three weeks of studying the passion of Jesus, we looked at his death and resurrection. This week is Christ the King Sunday. It's the culmination of the Christian church calendar. Next Sunday is the start of Advent when we prepare for the birth of the Christ child. You'll see your bulletin is pointing you to Advent. Today is this grand scale view on Jesus before we return to his humble beginnings. As pastor of Care and Connection, I have an opportunity each week to meet with a number of people, both within our congregation and outside of it. And I often find there are common concerns at the forefront of people's minds. Now I'm hearing many who feel troubled by what is happening in our culture, our nation, and our world. I've heard phrases like, 
Things are coming undone. Things are unhinged. They're fraying. I feel like things are unraveling. The extremes seem to be pulling in every direction, and there's less connective tissue holding us together. With division and mistrust at a fevered pitch, there's a sense of alarm and fear about where we're headed. What do you do when your life feels out of control? I have a few go-to sin patterns that include get busy, organize a room in the house, trim the dog, get lost in emails or Facebook, and sometimes even grumble. Mark, my spouse, can confirm or deny these. Many of these are not wrong, but they are distractions, and they don't cure anything. One even more insidious habit that comes up for me is to worry. Fear can grip me, and in the middle of the night, my head starts spinning around, trying to wrestle control over what feels uncontrollable in my life. It's then that I remember to pray. I wish it was always my first response when I wake up with night fears, but thankfully the Lord is gracious and he doesn't let me linger too long in those night fears before reminding me to look to him. In many ways, this is what the writer of Hebrews is telling his believing audience. They too felt like life was out of control and they wondered, does my faith make any difference? He tells them to look at who Jesus is and what he's done and his relationship to God so that we can see things as they really are and we can have the strength to persevere. Those receiving this letter were Jewish Christians and they were dealing with persecution, public abuse, and having their possessions plundered. They also had sin struggles and they knew future trials awaited them. They felt like there were forces around them that were out of control. Doesn't that sound familiar? And they wondered, is God in control of my circumstances? Chapter 2 talked about everything being under Jesus' control. And it said, we have, yet we have not seen all of it under his feet. So that means that while everything is under Jesus' lordship, it doesn't look that way to us right now. So what does it mean that Jesus is in control when things appear out of control. Well, this letter is really a sermon dealing with a question of who Jesus really is. The author's identity is debated, but many scholars believe it was either Apollos, Barnabas, or Priscilla. When we get discouraged, weary, and lose hope, this author reminds us God loves us and wants relationship with us. Jesus is the source and strength of our lives. And we remember this when we come together in worship, in prayer, when we praise God and study the scriptures. All of those actions refocus us on what is really true and allow us to experience his word that brings life and sets us free. This first chapter of Hebrews is packed with theology, and I want to narrow in on just a couple of the verses. We could do a full sermon about each verse and still only scratch the surface of all that they contain. 
The whole book's main idea is found in the first four verses of chapter one. So let's unpack this intro to understand more about who Jesus is and what he's done by looking at Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 4. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the exact radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs." Now, this poetic opening starts by telling us that God loves us and God spoke through the prophets of old and now is speaking to us by his son. Jesus is the heir of all things and through him, God created the world. Jesus existed before creation and all authority, power, and divinity are in him. If we want to know God and what God looks like, We need only turn to Jesus. He is the perfect reflection of the Father. He is in the same nature as God. Now, verse 3 says that beautiful line, Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. That's telling us he is Lord over all the cosmos. (laughs) Uphold means to carry, to bear up, to sustain, bringing something towards a goal. So this is a dynamic action. It's not a static one. And another scripture that speaks to this as well was written by Paul in Colossians 1, verse 17. I want to share this with you as well. Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Those two verses um, that I have just mentioned are ones that I've memorized, and I pray through them, especially when I have really hard conversations about the news of the day. Warring nations, trauma, death, and violence abroad and in our country, families and personal lives unraveling, distress is felt on so many fronts right now. These verses help me with those night fears to help restore a sense of peace and hope Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. Now, I want to read those two verses again to you, but I invite you to do a little exercise with me, and that is to just take a moment to shut your eyes and let me read those words to you again. And I invite you to let them go from your head into your heart, as I do. Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. I invite you back into the room with me. If you haven't done it before, please find a few life verses. These are short phrases of scripture, but when you read them, they give you a sense of life and hope. 
And when you memorize them, you'll be amazed at how the Holy Spirit's going to bring that back to mind for you when you need it the most or when somebody else in your life needs to hear that scripture. This intro goes on to say Jesus purifies us from our sin by his authority. In fact, that was the fulfillment of God's plan for Jesus to come and deal with our sin, as Hebrews goes on to say, as our great high priest, who's also the sacrifice that atones for sin. And then the verses end with a curious comment about Jesus and the angels. What does that mean? Well, we'll you find the answer that are found in those seven quotes from the Old Testament that follow that verse. And they're referring to Jesus as God's son, intimately related to God, all-powerful and the source of life. He's superior, he's better, and more excellent than even the angels. And to understand more of this, we need to see how angels were viewed by first-century Jews and the early church. Angels were known to appear as humans, to minister before God's throne, to guide and protect us, and as messengers to reveal the law of Moses. In verse 14, it says their role is to minister to Christians. We know an angel told Mary she would be giving birth. Angels appeared to the shepherds, and we just looked at last week, one sitting on a stone outside the empty tomb. Now, angels were highly revered, so to say that they were under Jesus actually elevates Jesus to greater heights, not diminishes their importance. So for those going through troubled times, the writer of Hebrews is saying to his readers and to us, stay the course. Don't lose sight of Jesus' divinity and power. Jesus created and entered our physical realm to bring us truth and to cleanse us from sin, to set things right with us and God. So look to Jesus. Resist the temptation to give up the struggle. Persevere in the faith. How do we know that Jesus is the one to put our trust in? Well, as we look at verses 10 through 12, we see God's perspective on our situation. You, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe you will roll them up, like a garment they will be changed, but you are the same and your years will have no end. What we hear in that text is that God is permanent, creation is not. Science is confirming that what we know as physical reality has not always existed. And because of the precision of the cosmos and what it took to make each one of us in all of our complexity, there are some scientists that believe an all-powerful and transcendent being created the universe in an orderly way and still governs it. Well, to us, nature seems permanent, but it grows old, like worn-out clothing. And we all know what that looks like, right? It's a little fraying at the edges. There's sort of strings popping out. It's kind of the time we're thinking this either needs to be given away or go in the trash can. Things get worn, and it comes apart at the seams. It may even unravel and fray, which is similar to how people are feeling right now 
Well, we shouldn't be surprised. The biblical writers said this would happen. From the book of Revelation, we know there is good news. Jesus can roll up creation and change it. He began and will finish the universe. We know a final transformation is coming, and that is that one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Our years end, but his never will. Jesus is stable and unchanging, even though our world can be like worn-out clothing that will be folded and put away. Jesus and God are outside of time and outside of change. No matter how much happens, whether there's chaos, destruction, war, death, and disease afflicting us, Jesus remains the same. As the famous hymn says, change and decay in, every, in all around I see. O thou who changest not, abide with me. God is in control, despite what our circumstances are. These verses to me are like eyeglasses that bring everything into a sudden focus and help us to see what is really there. They tell me, God's got this. He's got our pain, our questions, and our fear. In September, I had a pilgrimage opportunity that had been a decades-long dream to walk over 100 miles on the Camino de Santiago in Spain. This is a route in northern Spain traveled by pilgrims from all over the world and has been a pilgrimage since the 1100s. This year, over 450,000 pilgrims are walking the Camino on one of the 10 routes. There was one moment on the Camino that really surprised me. It wasn't what I expected, and it came at the top of a mountain that we had been climbing all day. We arrived at an iron cross. There was a tall wooden pole, and up at the very top, there was an iron cross on it. And as you got closer to the pole, you had to step very carefully on the mound of rocks that were there, and they were carried by people from all over the world to leave something behind on their pilgrimage journey. I looked around, and so many of them had written words in all different languages, And then I noticed the memorial cards that were stuck by the pole and in between the rocks, remembering someone who had been lost, and a number of them were of children. I didn't expect to see so visibly words and images of what people had brought to the cross to lay down right there at the foot of the cross. And recognizing all that suffering that was acknowledged there, my heart was moved to tears. Now, as a good, stoic New Englander, I pulled away from the group. I went over and I sat on the ground by myself, facing away from others so that I wouldn't be visible, and I sobbed. I recognized how much loss and longing and desire for change and heartfelt prayers were all around me. People's pain brought them up that mountain as pilgrims seeking God's deliverance and God's comfort and rescue, even if they weren't sure if God was real or they didn't know God's name. The weight of the world's suffering hit me on that mountain, and for a moment I felt like I was being asked to feel that weight of others' pain. But then I had a vision. It was almost from on high looking down on this mountaintop, 
And as if I could see with God's eyes, I suddenly felt his overwhelming love and his deep compassion for all of those people and their prayers. I had a strong sense in that moment that God loves us right in the midst of the pain and loss and anguish. It's right here for me to open my hands and receive it. The founder of World Vision once said, our hearts should break for the things that break the heart of God. Well, maybe that's something of what happened for me on the mountaintop that day. As the Celtic people say, it was a thin place where heaven and earth draw near. And I pondered all this as I took a prayer walk on the labyrinth next to the little chapel that was right there um, near the Iron Cross. And I realized there in the midst of all the pain, an Iron Cross high on a pole reminded me of Jesus in his suffering, who is now at the center of our own. He was lifted up to take on death and sin, to set all things right in the world and in us. That's why he came, to rescue and redeem us. He is Lord over life and death, creation and time. He rules above it all. And we are all pilgrims on a journey seeking God, whether we know it or not. We're seeking truth and meaning, purpose and healing. Just as we saw how that created world was perishable, like worn-out clothing, there was another garment that was rolled up and folded in an empty tomb. This garment, Jesus' grave clothes, was evidence that Jesus, who was dead, is now alive. He is more powerful than sin and death. That king of kings was born to die, to enter the pain of the world. As the song we're about to sing says, from a throne of endless glory, he came to a cradle in the dirt. That rolled up garment changed everything. When we feel that everything around us is coming undone, we can remind ourselves and one another to hold fast to the hope we have in Jesus. Remember who he is and what he's done. He holds together and upholds everything. As we keep our eyes on Jesus, our King, we can stay the course. Amen. To learn more about the mission and vision of Stanwich Church and how you can get involved, please visit stanwichchurch.org.